Welcome to the Transformation Church Podcast, where we're leading people into a transforming relationship with Jesus. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you a fresh perspective on God and His Word so you can see transformation in your own life. Enjoy the message. Hey, if you got your Bibles, turn with me to Exodus chapter 6. We'll get there in just a moment. Uh, but if today's your first time with us, or maybe the first time in, in this series, or maybe you've missed a couple weeks in this series, I want to catch you up to speed, and I'm going to kind of go through this a little bit quick just for time's sake. But the big idea of this series called Batter Up is this, is that God has an offer on the table for all of us. And that offer that God has on the table comes through the form of four amazing promises that have been on his heart for your life since the beginning of time. We see these four promises throughout scripture, but they first show up here in Exodus chapter six, as God is speaking to Moses and God's desire in this moment is to bring freedom to the people of Israel that have been in Egyptian slavery for over 400 years. And what we see in Exodus 6 is we see four amazing promises that you will probably notice that our vision as a church is really built around these four promises. We see in verse 6 that he says that I will bring you out, that that first promise that God desires for all of us in our life is to know him. And what's really fascinating about this promise that God has for us is he's not as interested right away to change you or to fix you. He just wants to relocate you. He wants to get you out of the life that you're living into a new life with Christ. But for many of us, we stop there. We hit a single and we say we're good to go. But God desires for us to go farther, to progress in our faith. And he goes on to say in verse six that that the second promise that I'm gonna free you, that I'm gonna bring freedom to your life, that, that if you're anything like me, that the decisions you've made, the mistakes you've made in your past, they leave a residue, right? They leave a residue in our life that has a tendency to kind of kind of haunt and kind of dictate the way that we live our life. And what God is saying here with this promise is that in the promise one, I'm going to get you out of Egypt, but in promise two, I got to get the Egypt out of you. Like I've got to walk you through a, a journey in your life to where your life is no longer dictated or determined based off the decisions that you've made in the past. We see it goes on in verse six that the third promise, which is what we're gonna talk about today, that God says, I'm going to redeem you. In other words, I want you to discover that you have a purpose, that I created you with a purpose before the beginning of time, and that I want to return you to my original intent for your life. And then in verse seven, he shares the fourth promise that that I will take you. In other words, what God is saying is that I want you to join a family of believers. I want you to find your tribe that's going in the same direction that I'm calling you to go in, the tribe that is making an eternal difference in the lives of other people. And that's what we're going to talk about next week. And I've got a huge reveal next week that I'm super excited about. So I want you to make sure that you're here to be able to hear that next week. But what we see in scripture 
is that God says that when we experience these four promises in our life, he says this, then you will know. That then you will know. In other words, when you experience this promise of knowing God, of finding freedom, of discovering your purpose and making a difference, that God's saying, then you will know what being a Christ follower is really all about. And so today I want to take a closer look at this third promise of discovering our purpose, of of being redeemed. Look with me again at Exodus chapter 6, verse 6. God uses this word redeem. Now the word redeem is kind of a churchy word, right? Like I don't know about you, but I can't think of the last time that I've used that in my normal conversation going about my day, the word redeem. That it is, it is a churchy word, but the impact that this word has on our life is significant. You see, Merriam-Webster defines redeem this way. The first way is to buy back. In other words, you and I were created in the image of God, but the Bible says that we all at some point in our life go our own way. Has anybody ever gone their own way in this room? I know I have. And we end up in this kind of dark and lonely and and painful place, and God goes to that place and buys us back. It's kind of like if you've ever been to a flea market, that God comes walking into the flea market and everything that's in there has kind of been dismissed and pushed to the side. It looks worn out and beat up. And that's how our life looks when we choose to go our own way. But when God says this promise of redeeming us, he walks into that and he points his finger at you and he says, how much? How much will it cost for me to redeem you? And Jesus was willing to pay the price. We see in this word redeem that it also means to change for the better. What's God saying? He's saying that there is a better life than the life that you and I are living right now. Maybe you've kind of wondered that today. You, you kind of came into the room thinking, is this the best life is ever going to get? And my answer is no. That through the third promise that God wants to, to redeem you. He wants, to, he wants to, to bring you back to his original intent for your life. We see this third definition of the word redeem, that it means to repair or to restore And I think like to kind of have a visual of what this looks like in our life, like I think that that we come into this life and 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 our life looks pretty, like like we start, you know, everybody loves us, right? We're the baby in the room and everybody's squeezing our cheeks and they're kind of kind of doing all that kind of stuff. But what happens is is life happens. Right? Has anybody ever experienced life before? I know I've experienced life before. And what happens in life is that we end up getting cut. Like things in our life begin to to hurt us and to harm us. And this is the dullest knife I have ever used in my life. Either that or these shoes are legit. I tell you what. (laughs) 
So imagine with me when I run the knife over the shoe that it rips apart. (laughs) What happens in life is we get cut. Like things happen to us. Maybe it was a spouse that wasn't faithful. Maybe maybe it was something that we walked through like a business deal that went went south, like, like things in our life, maybe it was a, a parent that abandoned us and we ended up having to raise our own siblings in our house because our parents were going about doing the own, their own thing in life. You know, some of us in life, we go through things where we get burned, right? Has anybody ever been burned in life before? Like, has anybody ever like put themselves out there? Has anybody ever like, like, like tried to have a relationship with somebody and you gave it 100% in your life? You gave it 100% and then they walked away from you. They left you holding all the, the emotions. They left you holding everything in your hand. Like, like maybe, I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it was a best friend and they ended up telling a secret on you. Maybe it was a colleague that, that um, got the raise, right? A colleague that got the raise instead of you, even though you were the one that was working twice as hard. Or maybe for you, you just feel like, you feel like maybe you're just kind of stained. You're kind of you're kind of dirty from life. Like just some of the decisions that you've made, like like the the stuff that you've done in your past. Like think about it, the things in your rearview mirror, the things that you wake up in the morning and you you regret that you ever made those decisions or maybe maybe for you it's it's a habitual sin that that nobody else knows about. Like it's just you and God that know about it and it just haunts you all the days of your life. And what ends up happening in our life is that that we end up going through life and our whole life is defined by the tears. Our whole life is defined by the cuts. It's defined by the burns and the emotional trauma that we've experienced in our life. And so what happens is, is we make this assumption, right? We make this assumption that God can't use me. Like I'm tainted goods. We make this assumption or we walk into a room like this and and we carry all this shame because we look at other people and we kind of try to compare our trauma of our past to theirs and we think like there's no way that God can ever use us because my trauma is way worse than their trauma. Watch this. God doesn't want you and I to live our life that way. And so what he does is he brings the third promise into our life, this promise of redemption, where he redeems us from our past, from the traumas, from the sin, from the mistakes, from the cuts, from the bruises, all of those things that God, when we surrender our life to him, that he begins this redemption process where he exchanges the old beat up life for a new life in him. Here's how scripture says it in Ephesians chapter two, verse 10. It says that for we are God's masterpiece. I love that word masterpiece in the original language, it's poema. It means that work of art that you are, did you know that? 
Like, did you know that you are God's work of art? Think about an artist. Think about the amount of time and the amount of energy of forethought that they have when they stand before the canvas and they began to paint and they began to move ink around in the life. Like, think about that. And God says that you are his work of art. He says he's created you. He's given you a new pair of cleats, right? He's created you anew in Christ Jesus. Why? Just so that we can have a clean pair of shoes in our life? No. So that we can do. So that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. So how does he do it? Well, I think the answer is right here in the promise. In Exodus 6, 6, he does it, says two ways, with an outstretched arm and mighty acts of judgment. Now, if you're like me, you're thinking outstretched arm. What is that all about? And I think it's this. I think it's because God recognizes that you and I often live way below his plan and purpose for our life. And so out of the compassion and the grace of God, he reaches down with an outstretched arm. What did David say? David said, he pulled me up out of the miry clay and he set my feet on a rock. David says, and forever I will praise his name. Like God sees where you are in your life He sees every traumatic thing that's happened. He sees every stain, every burn, every cut. And with an outstretched arm, God reaches down. I was thinking about this this week, that the only time that you reach for something is when you want that thing closer to you. And I think about God and his outreached arm that when he sees you, you see tainted, you see discarded, you see messed up but God sees purpose. And so he says, I'm going to redeem with my outstretched arm because I want him or her closer to me. Let me say it like this. Most people are satisfied with a good life when God designed them for a great life. Most of us are satisfied with a good life. And for most of us, the definition of good is just no bad, right? Like as long as I don't have that much bad in my life, then my life is good. But what we fail to realize is that God has a great life for all of us. And I know you're thinking like, okay, that right, great. This word great, like I, I don't know, that doesn't sound all that spiritual to me. Well, let me prove it to you. Psalms 1835, you stoop down to make me great. That you stoop down with an outstretched arm for what purpose? To make me great in his kingdom. And I think somebody, if you don't get anything else today, somebody in this room needs to hear this reality that there is greatness in you. Quit thinking about what you've done in your past and the mistakes and and the sin that you committed last night. That stuff is gonna happen in our life and we can, can surrender to Christ and ask him to forgive us. That's the journey of human life, right? But besides that, 
God sees greatness in you. He sees greatness in his kingdom. And listen, if you're anything like me, you struggle a little bit with that. Like you struggle knowing what you've been through, knowing the things, the decisions that you made, you struggle with this idea of greatness. I know that was something that I struggled with for a long time. Like God called me into ministry one month after I got saved. I didn't grow up in church. My mom was a prostitute. Yep, I said it. My mom was a prostitute. She was in and out of prison. Like I had just gotten off of the whole fraternity party scene. I was a month removed from that. I'm an introvert. I know you don't look like it, but I had an energy drink today. So I, I, I'm an introvert. I've got a significant learning disability, but God. Has anybody else ever had a but God moment? in their life. God saw something in me that I couldn't see in myself. And friend, God sees something in you, greatness, that you don't see in yourself. And with an outstretched arm, stooping down because he sees greatness in you, he extends the third promise of redemption. Now look at this. Not only is it outstretched arm, but what else? It says mighty acts of judgment. Okay, that sounds totally different. I even heard the hmm back in the room. Like that's what I felt when I read it. Is he judging us? Huh? Mighty acts of judgment. He's judging the devil. Why? Because the devil has an alternate plan for your life. What does John 10, 10 say? That he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And what's the enemy's alternate plan in our life? Listen, I think we can boil it down to one word. The word diversion. The word diversion. I mean, we've all experienced diversion in our life. It's the, it's the part of our life that we're pretty confident that God didn't cause, but we still lived it, right? Maybe it was the divorce that we walked through. Maybe it was the unexpected death of somebody that was close to us. Maybe it was a a deep emotional wound. Like we all experience these diversions in our life and diversions get our attention off of God. Now listen, not all diversions are bad. Like sometimes diversions can be good things. Like our career, right, is a good thing, but it can't be a diversion from God's plan and purpose for our life. Like maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's, it's somebody that we've started dating and we're kind of thinking that maybe this is the one, but, but we're recognizing that that relationship is diverting us from the path that God has for our life. Maybe, here's one, here's a diversion, the drive to make money instead of making a difference. 
right? We can be so consumed with making money and providing for our family that we are diverted from God's plan of our life, which is to make a eternal difference in people's lives. And so what God says is that if I'm going to redeem them, that I've got to cancel the devil's plan of diversion in their life. Now watch this, I can prove it to you. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 18, it says, we wanted very much to come to you, and I, Paul, tried again and again, but look at this, Satan did what? What did it say? Prevented us. Satan prevented us. This word in the original language means to hinder one's progress by putting something in the way. Has the enemy ever put something in the way in your path that has caused you to kind of divert your attention off of Jesus onto other things? There's another translation that says that that he cuts a ditch in your road. In other words, I'm living my life and I'm going after God, like I want his plan for my life and then all of a sudden there's a ditch in the way. Maybe it's a hurt, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's a sickness, like I, I don't know what it is in your life that has diverted you, but scripture says that he puts a ditch in our, in our way. And what tends to happen in our life is we, instead of us waiting, this word waiting that she was talking about, Heather was talking about today, is not a passive wait. It's a weight of expectation of knowing, okay, God is going to make a way, but he's not making a way yet, right? And so I ain't moving. Like this is the path that God has for me. This is the ditch that's trying to divert me, but I'm gonna wait on God. And what happens in our life is we get tired of waiting. Like in our culture today, everything's gotta be like the microwave or the drive-through restaurant. We want it now. And because God doesn't give it to us now, then we end up allowing our path to be diverted, trying to get around the ditch. And before we know it, we look back and it's like, God is way over there and we're way over here. And we wonder how that happened. You see, God wants to walk all of us on a journey of overcoming. And you can't overcome the ditch if you ain't willing to wait. Ain't willing to put him first and say, I'm not gonna allow all the other stuff. Like, I may wanna get married, right? Like, I have a deep desire to get married. I don't, I'm married, love my wife. I'm saying, somebody... And instead of waiting, you allow your path to be diverted. And friend, if that describes your life, if you look in the rearview mirror and you see time and time again how your path has been diverted from the purpose of God, I have some good news for you today. That in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, one of my favorite verses says that, and we know that God causes everything. That means any path that you've taken in your life, the paths that you think have been good and the paths that you've taken that have been bad, all the moments of diversion that 
The word says that God causes everything to work together for your benefit. Of those who love God, key part of the verse, right? Like he doesn't work it all out for good when our life's not surrendered to him. He's cool with mistakes. That's where the the third promise comes in, that with an outstretched arm, he's cool with that. But we got to live a surrendered life to him. And when we do, that he causes everything to work together for the good. I, I like to kind of think of it like this. Can you get to Tampa from Tallahassee through Atlanta? Yes. But it's going to take you a long time to get there. Right? I mean, that's not the preferred destination or the path to get to Tampa. But I think most of us have taken those kind of diversions in our life. Like many of us have got plenty of paths that we've taken that have moved us further away from the Lord. But here is the promise of this week is that there is still a way to get there. Like even if we've gone out of the way to get to Tampa, there is still a road that leads us back to Tampa. And the same is true for your life. No matter what you've done and where you've been and the the list of mistakes and the list of disqualifications that you think you have, there is still a path back to God's plan and purpose for your life. And we see in the last part of Romans 8, 28, what, what that path leads to, speaking of purpose. I know some of you are probably thinking, okay, purpose, like, like you have no idea what I've done in my life. There's no way that God could have a purpose for me knowing where I've been and what I've done. Well, hey, I have a scripture for you. In Romans chapter 11, verse 29, it says, God's gift and God's call, his purpose for your life are under full warranty, never canceled and never rescinded. There is a path back. In other words, God has never changed his mind about you regardless of what you've done. Isn't that amazing? See, a lot of us, you think that God waits until we stop sinning or we stop messing up before he gives us a purpose. But a friend, if that was the case, then there would be no need for the third promise of redemption. No need for it. I love this in Proverbs 16, 4, and I'm, I'm getting close to ending. Proverbs 16, 4, that the Lord has made everything, say that, for its purpose. Notice in this verse here that he makes everything for a purpose. In other words, you had a purpose before you had a pulse. That God created a purpose and then created you to fulfill that purpose, not the other way around. 
And so how does he do it? Well, I think we see with the disciple Peter, like, by the way, he was the guy that denied Jesus three times. So if you think that your life is bad, your mistakes, did you, he denied Jesus three times. And he experienced the third promise in his own life. And he wrote about how in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, he said, he said, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Look what he says, use them well. Like with excellence, use them well to serve one another. So how do we experience that? How do we experience the third promise in our life? I think it all boils down to one word. And that's the word yes. It's the word yes. How do we receive the third promise in our life? We have the courage to just say yes. Friend, God's plan and his purpose for your life is beyond your ability to see it. And so many times what we do is we try to figure it out before we take a step and say yes, but it don't work that way. If that was the way it worked, there wouldn't be any need for faith in our life. Our responsibility to fulfill God's purpose for our life isn't to figure it out. It's just to say yes. To have the courage to say yes and to allow God to work the rest of it out in our life. Friend, I've learned this in my own life that you can experience the abundant life that God has for you apart from God's purpose for you. And in John 10, 10, where it says that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, the other side of that is Jesus's words, but I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And I think sometimes we get stuck between the two worlds of those of still kill and destroy an abundant life. And we wonder why we don't ever see it. We don't ever experience it in our life. And, and could it be, could it be that the answer to that tension that you feel today is to just have the courage to say yes. Today, I wanna, I wanna close by honoring the 145 dream teamers that have said yes to God and yes to purpose by serving on our amazing dream teams. Friend, you are serving one another well. Those that are back in the back in the kids area that are holding your babies right now, praying over them and speaking life over them. The dream teamers that are, 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 are leading our preschool and our elementary kids and 
teaching them about the love of God, that no matter where they go and what they do, that it doesn't change God's love for them and sowing those seeds into their life in an early age. All the dream teamers that you don't see right now because they're behind a wall running a camera or switching behind cameras or running the live stream or putting words on the screens or making the room sound good or to those that sacrifice their Wednesday nights to come to be in this place, to be able to lead teenagers in a path to try to reach them before we have to rescue them. Or to all of our small group leaders that some open their house and some um, make time to come and to help us grow closer to God and closer to each other. Or to our world-renowned, that's right, world-renowned First Impressions team. From the moment you pulled into this campus, helped you find a parking spot, opened the door for you, actually had a smile on their face and hugged you and, and wanted to, to connect with you. The, the, the first impressions team, the ushers that open the door and, and, and whether you realize it or not, they're kind of in the, in the background making sure that we're safe and taken care of or, or the guest service hosts that are back there that they're there to welcome those of you that are here for the first time and just, and just show you how amazing this church is or, or to our amazing worship team that gives so much time you have no idea to practice what they're doing and to rehearse and to pray so that you and I can experience a mighty powerful presence of God in this place or to possibly my favorite team, the coffee team <laughs> that keeps us fueled allows us to be able to worship with a little pep in our step. Dream teamers, I honor you today. Many of you have a long list of reasons why you don't think you should be able to do what you're doing, but you have received the third promise of redemption, the outstretched arms of God. And I wanna share this amazing promise with you today in God's word because you are willing to say yes to his purpose. It's found in Hebrews chapter six, verse 10, that God is not unjust, that he will not forget your work, that he's not gonna forget the times you've served in the nursery or been an usher and opened doors or picked up trash in the parking lot on Sunday mornings, not because you have to, but because you see it. He says, he will not forget your work and the love that you have shown, look at this, shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help him. Friend, the ultimate worship is not what we do down here during the music part 20 minutes a week, but it's how we live our life. And friend, that's the promise that God desires for you to experience in your own life. That he has redeemed you. That the plan and the purpose 
that he created you for, that you decided to go your own way at some point, but he showed up and bought you back and is now restoring you to his original intent. Your responsibility isn't to get it right. Your responsibility is to just say yes. Yes, Lord. Whatever you want for me, even if it's outside of my comfort zone, all I say is yes, Lord. Would you bow your head with me today? Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you that you have a promise for our life. God, you have a desire to move us from good to great. But Lord, how humbling it is that you see greatness in us this morning. So Father, despite the fact that we can't see what you see in us, Lord, give us the courage just to say yes, just to surrender our life, to put our life in your hands, to sit back at the diversion moment and to wait until you provide a way so that we can live this overcomer life that you've designed us to live. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's message, be sure to share it with your friends and tag us at TransformTLH. Thanks again for listening, and we look forward to seeing your face in the place someday. Have a great week.